They're here, everyone. They are the smart kids at the shops with their mothers or fathers, riding their bikes around the streets and playing down by the river, as well as talking to their friends on their smartphones. Join the smart kids each week as they discover, explore, and solve the mysteries of today. Here's your host, J.T. Crowley. Hello, and welcome from a overcast, dullish day here in Derby in the UK. My last podcast, I did the story of Alderwood, my little Icelandic boy. And I hoped a lot of you kids, or anybody else who was listening to podcasts, I hope you actually enjoyed it. And you could start to see how I create the main character, how he saw the sub-characters there, Haldor and Fana, where the scene was, and also how the, the plot um, was started to come together and how the start was quite strong. As I said to you, in all my lessons, those five lessons that I did, the start is very, very important because it's all about getting those readers, as I say, every week to turn those pages. And as you'll see in the, the other stories that I'm about to do, you will see again the main character, the sub-characters, the scenery, the storyline and the start. That is all important. Now, last week I said to you, I'm going to take it to Norway. Well, I have. And this week, it's not a, a boy character. It's a little girl. Her name is Joran. And she is 11 years old. And she comes from Norvac in nor the north part of Norway. And it sits within the um, Arctic Circle. The story is set in January. It, it refers back to November in the previous year. But it's a winter scene again. So, yes, you've got the snow and it's freezing cold. And... It's the dark nights because in Norway, that time of the year, the, they're very short days, but they're very long nights. And that's what she's, um, she's mentioned. And so Joran is the main character, and the sub-characters are Hakon and Kirsten. Now, Hakon is a, a boy and Kirsten a girl. So I've given the character a boy and a girl as friends, but they are the sub-characters. And as I said, the scene is set in Norvik in Norway, also including Oslo. And I give you a brief description of the scenery that's around there. But I want you to read the story to you, the excerpt, so as you can see for yourself how the main character comes across how the sub-characters fit, where the, um, the plot, which again I divided into the uh, scenery and then the storyline, and then the, the start. So have a listen, see what you think, and by all means let me know your, your thoughts. So here we go, I'm going to read you the story of Joran. Joran looked out of her bedroom window. 
she noticed the street lights outside her house had come on. Looking at the time on her smartphone, Joran saw that it was three o'clock in the afternoon. The weather app was showing minus 17 degrees Celsius with a clear night ahead. The prospect of seeing the northern lights later on that night was edging on the promising side. For Joran and her friends, Hakon and Kirsten, seeing the northern lights was nothing out of the norm, as living in the small town of Narvik in one of Norway's northern regions, sitting within the Arctic Circle, the lights were expected. Life in Norway's north virtually came to a standstill in the winter months, with the short days and the long nights, biting cold and deep snows. For an 11-year-old girl like Joran, sitting in her bedroom in the mid-January, staring out of her window, life was a bit boring. She longed for the summer months and to see the midnight sun. The Zoom meeting Hakon had set up wasn't due to start for another hour. She wondered what it was about. Hmm. What was the urgency? Dora couldn't wait to catch up with her friends, Hakon and Kirsten, but the tone of Hakon's earlier message indicated that this wasn't going to be a social chit-chat. Hakon was a typical boy, and being a year older, liked to take on the role as male protector, an IT whiz kid, something Joran and Kirsten slightly resented, but tolerated. For both of them were quite capable of looking after themselves and were just as adept on the computer as he was. Hakon heard their views from time to time when it suited him. But being strong-willed and as well as single-minded, he very often overlooked them, especially on the matter of protection. For as a boy, he felt it was innate, his innate duty to look after the two girls. While waiting for the Zoom meeting to start, Joran logged on to her laptop and read some of the messages on the wildlife conservation webpage which Hakon had both designed and created, with a lot of input from herself as well as Kirsten. She scrolled through all the messages people had put on there over the last 24 hours, following on from a recent interview they did for one of Norway's private broadcasters that was recorded recently with Russia's ambassador to Norway about the plight of the Siberian tigers. Joran was taken by surprise with the messages. How did they know about the contents of the interview? For the programme had not been aired yet. Who leaked the interview? Hmm. Had Heiken or Kirsten got any ideas as to what was behind all this? And was this the reason for Heiken's hastily arranged Zoom meeting on later on? Or something else. Jorah pondered for a few moments. She logged off her laptop. She remembered how all the chain of events leading up to the TV had started last year when she had written several letters to the ambassador 
about the demise of the Siberian tigers, all of which were duly ignored, of course. She recalled it was Kirsten's idea to protect, to protest even, outside the Russian embassy in Oslo with placards that she had designed to draw attention to themselves. Joran even reminded herself of the belief behind the demonstration, thinking that unwanted attention of three youngsters protesting outside the embassy just might provoke a response from the ambassador or one of her officials. But that failed as well. No doubt the ambassador was used to demonstrators protesting about all sorts of things outside her window. Joran recounted how Hagen reminded them to persist with their actions as persistence normally paid off, something he had gleaned from his father, who was a consultant cardiologist at a nearby hospital. Sitting back in her chair, Joran thought about those trips to the Russian embassy, the long train rides with Hagen and Kirsten from Narvik to Oslo, and looking back, she could see they had limited success. She recounted the heated discussion the three of them had in a local cafe close to the embassy about the way forward. And what they really needed most of all was to get the attention of the Norwegian media. Something Joran had been thinking about for some time. Joran remembers sitting with Kirsten in that cafe, calling several papers and TV networks, leaving messages, inviting them to get in contact via their conversation webpage. Joran called to mind the countless times she spent on to the webpage, envisaging, imagining a plethora of messages starting to come forward. In reality, though, deep down in her heart, she knew the messages, just like the letters to the ambassador, would go unanswered. If it wasn't for Hakon's constant positive attitude of we can do this but we need to keep up the persistence she and Kirsten might have given up. Yes, Hakon was annoying at times for he was a boy but he was right. Persistence sometimes pays off. John cast her mind back to last November, when Kirsten and herself had met up for a girly day out shopping for Christmas presents. When walking through the shopping mall, their phones pinged in unison. It was a message from Hakon. Have a look at the last message on the conservation webpage. I told you persistent pays off. Hmm. Kirsten read the message on the webpage out loud. She always read her messages out loud, either to herself or to whoever was close by, something Joran found irritating. But that was Kirsten, her best friend. The message was vague, but at least it was a response of some kind, if not the only response they got. It was from a young researcher from a private broadcasting company wanting to meet up for a chat. But not to expect or read too much into this inquiry. 
Joran thought back. Nearly a whole month had elapsed from their last protest outside the embassy to getting the message. She remembered placing the call to that private broadcasting company that had taken the time to reply. What impressed her the most was the fact that the young researcher had taken the time to read all the information Kirsten had uploaded onto the website. Clearly, she was impressed with their work and seemed, judging by her comments, very interested to learn more about their trip last year to Seacoating Allen Mountain Range on Russia's far eastern coastline, where all three of them, along with Joran's two mothers, spent a month with a local team of wildlife conservationists tracking down Siberian tigers. One in particular, a young three-year-old male called Amur, whose tracking collar had stopped working and needed to be repaired so that they could continue to track his movements and learn about his ways. What the conservationists feared most was that unscrupulous poachers had found him, removed the collar and sold him on the black market for a king's ransom. Poaching was a huge problem and was adding to the tiger's demise, for the Siberian tiger was already on the World Wildlife Fund's endangered species list. The meeting at the cafe near the embassy in Oslo, Joran called to mind, was brief, informative. The young researcher turned out to be a girl not much older than herself, and she had brought along a producer guy from the TV company. Hakon and Kirsten were in awe of the producer. Joran, not so. She was more enamoured with the young researcher girl and she could see herself in a similar role in the near future. The producer, at the end of their meeting, promised nothing, but simply to make a few calls and stay in touch. So it was a total surprise to get a call in mid-December telling Joran, Hagen and Kirsten that the Russian ambassador was happy to do a televised interview over the next few days. The time and the location will be forwarded to them shortly, but be prepared to react with a moment's notice, for this is how things worked in the documentary business. Joran remembered when the call came through how she Hakon and Kirsten made a quick dash from Narvik by private jet to Oslo airport, followed by a short ride in a chauffeur-driven car to a secret hotel on the outskirts of Oslo, where the Russian ambassador met them. Hakon was rather surprised when he saw the ambassador for the first time. She, she wasn't your typical stereotype Russian woman. She was tall, elegant, and spoke English fluently. And she answered all their questions warmly, softly, and above all, 
to the point. Clearly, she had done her homework. Like any high-ranking diplomat would be expected to do so. At the end of the interview, off-camera, the ambassador agreed to look into the plight of the Siberian tigers in her country and what further steps could be taken to protect them. But not to expect an instant reaction, she warned them. That's not how things work in her country. Things progress slowly over time. The whole chain of events that had taken place over the last few months had excited Joram. But she was smart enough to realise that the road ahead would be bumpy. With many setbacks as well as positive outcomes. However, Joram was not prepared for what was about to unfold before her very eyes. She logged back onto the conservation website and saw that more messages were flooding through, all talking about the interview she, Hakon and Kirsten had had recently with the Russia's ambassador to Norway, re the Siberian Tigers. Again, how did people know about this interview, she thought? For the programme had not been aired yet to the networks. In fact, not even she knew when it was going to be broadcast. She scrolled back through the messages. Some were supportive. Some were offered financial assistance to support their cause. But others were less welcoming, with one in particular threatening their lives. Joran missed that early message and now wondered, was that the reason behind Haken's unprompted Zoom meeting for later on? Or was it about the leak? Or both? Joran stared at the threatening message and thought to herself, clearly this person was a poacher whose livelihood would be affected if the Russians tightened security around the Siberian tigers, making it harder for them to carry out their abhorrent deeds. It was nearly four o'clock. Joran logged on to Zoom and waited for Hakon and Kirsten to join the meeting. While she waited, she thought about the small aircraft that had landed at the airport a few hours ago. She had a nagging feeling about that plane. Her house sat on top of a hill that directly looked over Narvik's small airport below. Being so close to the airport, she knew all or most of the airlines that used the airport and at what times the flights roughly landed and took off. This plane was out of sequence and she didn't recognise the airline. She got up from her desk and walked over to her bedroom window. She looked down at the runway, which was lit up, and she could see the small aircraft parked to the side of the terminal buildings. 
She stared at the plane. Who are you? Are you the person behind the threatening message on the webpage? Are you the surprise person who's booked a guided tour with us to see the Northern Lights tonight? Hmm. Doran's mind was fizzing and crackling, so much so she didn't see or hear the others had joined the Zoom call and were shouting at her to come back to the screen. Should she tell Hakon and Kirsten about the plane, or just keep quiet? For sometimes her suspicions, in the past, led to nothing, and Kirsten in particular had accused her of being overreactive to matters that had no proof to them. Mm. She'd stay silent for the time being and do her own investigation before she made a fool of herself in front of the others again. She hated. She hated making a fool of herself. Turning to her laptop, she could see an agitated Hakon and Kirsten. She darted back to her desk, completely forgetting about Norsk, her ginger and white forest cat under her feet. One disgruntled cat scurried out of the room, leaving Joran to pick herself off the floor, dust herself down and regain some kind of dignity. No doubt, Hagen and Kirsten would embarrass her in the future about her little mishap here. Joran had so many questions to ask, not to answer. So many, she nearly forgot to press the unmute symbol. So, there's a little excerpt of the story of Joran, my little Norwegian girl. And I hope you can see, uh, kids, guys, how Joran is the main character. And then you've got Hakon and Kirsten, the uh, sub-characters. And then you've got characters like the, the Russian ambassador, the research girl, the producer TV. They're the floating characters. They're just coming in and out to keep the story going. And I hope you can see that, you know, the scene was set in Narvik in Norway. And it's a winter scene, because I've told you that the temperature was minus 17, yeah, there were dark nights, and that, um, you know, you would expect to see the snow there. It's a winter scene. And with it being short days and dark nights, sometimes, you know, for a little 11-year-old girl, Jordan, she's telling you she was a bit bored. But that... I hope you can see that the start was there, and I hope that the start was strong for you. And as the stories go along, you're seeing it's not so much about her sitting in her room in Narvik. It's about Siberian tigers. It's about the conservation program she's putting together. And as when you read the full story, when I've done it, you'll see there are lots of twists and turns. And as I've said to you in the, um, the lessons, in the main story, you need more killer and less filler. Your story needs to have lots of twists, turns, and tension, tight tension in it, to keep your reader 
turning those pages. And yes, I come back every single time I've turned the page because that's what it's all about. Because if your readers don't turn the pages, they're not interested. And then you've written the story for no, um, no avail. Next week, let's see where we shall go. Hmm. I think I'm going to take you to Finland. And this will be a character, maybe a boy character, and he's going to be talking about climatic change. So see you next week. I hope you're enjoying the little podcast, and I'm hoping you're gaining so much knowledge and learning um, so much from them, particularly about me, the way I write, and how I think about things. Thanks for listening. See you next week in Finland. Stay safe. Bye-bye, folks. Thanks for listening to The Smart Kids. Want to follow more of their adventures? Check out The Smart Kids by J.T. Crowley on Amazon.com now.